licensed professional counselor. And he, I have here with me today, Stephanie Small, um, and she owns Stephanie Small Incorporated and will be owning another practice or bringing on an, another practice called Las Lobos del Corazon. And you could definitely say it differently if I said it wrong, but yeah, you yeah. <laughs> thank you. Feel free to introduce yourself and tell the listeners what your businesses are about. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a LCSW. I'm also a holistic nutritionist. Um, so as a therapist, I specialize in somatic psychotherapy. So working in the body rather than just the mind. Um, and I also work with parts. Um, some people have probably heard of parts work. Um, as a nutritionist, I specialize in mental health nutrition, which is basically um, natural medicine for mental health. So using supplements and nutrition to stabilize biochemistry and reduce or eliminate mental health symptoms. And I do that because I really believe that healing occurs on three different levels. Um, There's the physiological, you know, the actual physical level that has to do with our biochemistry, has to do with the foods we're eating every day, how we're moving, you know, how our neurotransmitter balance is, how our gut function is, because that's connected to mental health. it occurs on the emotional level. So knowing how to work with and navigate the emotions inside so that we can really develop an embodied understanding of what's actually going on and and how to take care of ourselves. Um, And then the third level, I kind of call the spiritual or soul nourishing level. Um, That's the level really that I, the way I explain this to my clients is I think that at least half of the reason why we're all feeling so terrible in the modern age is that we're not really living in the way that we were designed to live. And so how to bring in at least bits and pieces of those kinds of connections that were inherent for our ancestors and that are just not part of modern day. Um, The fact that we actually are starving because we're missing those kinds of connections and we don't even know it. Oh, and my practice is only online now. It's usually in Boulder. Okay. Yes. That's very interesting. I was going to say like to kind of really focus on all three of those aspects because oftentimes providers focus on just one of those aspects and then you have to go see another provider for like a different aspect or another person for to kind of get all three of those things. So yeah. How do you balance all three of those focuses um, in the treatment that you provide people? Well, I always almost always start with the mental health nutrition because, you know, someone can be presenting to me for anxiety and sugar cravings and insomnia and obsessive thoughts, right? And if if I just treat this as an emotional issue, but it actually has to do with imbalanced blood sugar or being low in GABA or being low in serotonin, we can be spinning our wheels in therapy for like months or years and not getting anywhere. Whereas the biochemistry can stabilize really quickly if you know the right interventions. So usually, you know, I start off with a few sessions of mental health nutrition. Typically, and I've done this for hundreds of people at this point, typically um, it, it either eliminates or reduces at least a lot of the symptoms that they're coming in with. And then we know, okay, whatever's left is to work on in therapy. So then we shift gears and I start to teach them how to, I, I use the saying, stop, drop, and feel. And that's based on like the fire safety slogan that we got when we were little, stop, drop, and roll. 
So how to, instead of, you know, what we typically do, which is ignoring feelings or um, convincing ourselves that we should feel another way or medicating our feelings, um, stopping, sit down and turn inwards and start to learn how to be present with feelings, really listen to them, communicate with them and then give them what they need. And then in terms of the third sphere, you know, around connection and, and soul nourishment, that's, I mean, it's a lot to do all three of those. That's what I do less of. I, I bring in some earth-based connection techniques for that, but I also, um, in building the clinic that you referred to, Las Lobas del Corazón, which is going to be coming in August, um, one of the many things I'm really excited about for that practice is that I want us to be a funnel and we're creating partnerships with other organizations in the Boulder, Denver area that are more designed to help people connect back to the earth, connect to spirituality, connect to, you know, those soul nourishing practices like art and music and things like that. And so, so that piece will be more of a bridge building, like, okay, we're working on your biochemistry. That's better. I'm teaching you how to navigate your internal experience. That's better. Now let's go over here and explore this like workshop on decolonizing food systems or like, how to plant a mycelium patch in your backyard or like drumming at the creek at sunrise, right? And, and, and bringing all of that in so that we're not all living this, this modern life that is so soul-sucking of sitting in front of screens all day and being in boxes all day and being under fluorescent lights all day. Yeah, I really like that, like getting back to kind of a less like very structured, very like, I don't know, 2020 plus vibe, basically like kind of getting back to our roots for lack of a, a better word. Yeah. Kind of trying to pull ourselves out of this like modern world and back into who humans were kind of like meant to be maybe is a good way to say it. I mean, there's a reason we were designed this way. And there's a reason for thousands of years, you know, we were we were living in a very different way. And I know most of us don't want to go back to like, you know, sleeping in like mud constructions. But like there's there's life feels really different when you're in constant contact with the earth and constant contact with community and, and in those those constant reciprocal relationships. It feeds you and uh, brings a, a sense of support that is is not. I think commonly experienced in modern culture. Yeah, I would say we're trying to create substitutes for that more often than actually creating those connections, right? Like anything you probably do online on social media is like totally meant to build connection, but I think because it's being done through means of technology, it's not really a good substitute for what it's really like to connect with someone. Totally, totally. And you know, like that, that hunger that we have, that is not getting fed, then then we go to things like, oh, well, the substitute is lattes, or the substitute is a manicure. And like, I'm not knocking lattes and manicures, I like them. But I think that so often, we're trying to get ourselves to feel better. And we don't even know what this thing is that we're reaching for that we're missing. Does that make sense how I say that? Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. Kind of like trying to find, again, like substitutes to 
feed this need, but it's kind of all always only filling it just a little bit and not all the way because it's not really like the answer to what we're looking for. I like what you said a little bit earlier about getting into the feelings, at least in my education and not to knock the education that I got, because obviously it did something. I learned a lot, but I think I, my school specifically was really focused on like how to change the way people think. So then they can feel differently mm-hmm. and they behave mm-hmm. differently rather than focusing on, well, how do you feel like, what's going on inside? Like, what is that telling you first? And then paying attention to the other things. Because I, at least for me, I think it led to this mindset of, I need to compartmentalize how I feel. And I need to like fix the way that I think in order to be a better version of myself or to heal or to do whatever the objective was. Yeah, so I was hoping you could maybe share a little bit more about the work you've done with people and how that's like transformed um, them. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing about change your thought to change your feeling, it doesn't work. I mean, it can work temporarily. And I, I, I know that that's like kind of a shocking thing to say because so many therapists, so many therapies are based on this premise. I can't tell you how many people I've seen who I call like refugees from conventional mental health who have been taught change your thought to change your feelings. They try to do it. It doesn't work. They feel like the failure. They feel ashamed. And then I get to tell them, no, no, it's that this actually doesn't work. And zooming out, like I I would describe this approach as a very colonized approach. This is a very top down. I am the expert. We are going to invade your mind and tell you your thoughts are wrong. Let's change your thought and ignore the wisdom of your body and ignore the wisdom of the true feeling. We're just going to ignore that and not have any relationship with that. What the, I'm sorry, what that is so invalidating, (laughs) you know, and it's so, um, it's invalidating, it's aggressive and it's, uh, I would call it like almost it has like this, this consumerist quality to it. Like your system needs to be this way. So let's force it to be this way rather than let's honor what's actually happening and learn how to give it care. I, I could rant about this for a long time. <laughs> I was going to say, I kind of understand what you're saying a little bit. Just uh, maybe I'm going to give an analogy here and maybe you can tell me if I'm correct with this. But it's almost like the beauty community where it's like, there's these things that are like wrong with you. So you need to buy this product to fix them. And you need to go to this like surgeon to fix this because of this problem. But it's not really an actual like problem that you look that way or have this like blemish. Just like it's not really a problem that you feel something. So we're going to like try to sell you this thing that's going to teach you how to not feel or something. That's kind of. I think the transition that a lot of therapists in my experience are trying to make is like back to the feelings, back to paying attention to like, what's your body telling you rather than like it all being dictated by the mind. Yeah. It's so weird. The idea that like, you know, I I had a client once um, we were talking about some feeling that came up or like shame or something. And I'm like, okay. And, and she was reporting that it came up last week. I'm like, so what did you do with that? 
And I wanted to hear her be like, I stopped, dropped and felt, and I was able to like bring gentle awareness to it. And I talked to it, blah, blah. And instead she said, I asked myself if that was a useful feeling. And I was like, what? Where did you get that from? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, was it from something? Cause she had had a lot of conventional eating disorder treatment. And I'm like, was it from something like that? And she said, yes. And I said, I just ranted probably <laughs> useful. It doesn't have anything to do with useful. And I want to, I want to make the distinction that like sometimes reality testing is really helpful. You know, if, if you are someone who like slides off into the abyss of like shame and self hate, it can be really helpful for your therapist to be like, hello, you're not horrible. Like objectively, what have you done? That's horrible. But even still, that's not really going to help you with the feelings. You have to learn how to navigate the feelings themselves. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that, and maybe again, you might disagree with this, but like talk therapy is useful for like crisis management. For long-term like growth and emotional stability, we really need to pay attention to people's emotions, right? Like I worked in a crisis Uh, center. And I'm sure plenty of therapists that might be listening have worked with crisis clients before, but it really is like, how do we keep you safe? Like right this moment. Right. Right. So then talk therapy is probably helpful for things, situations like that, but for long-term growth and like evolution of a a person's emotions and the way that they relate to the the world and themselves, like you really need to focus on the emotions and the connections that they, they have with them. Cause then at least in my experience, like emotions end up getting like stored in the body. Like I found oh, yeah. myself experiencing like physical discomfort in different areas of my body be- and found out that, oh, that's probably like just emotional tension. Like I'm keeping my yeah. shoulders up to my ears, like all the time. Of course my back hurts. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, other examples I'm sure exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I agree. Um, And yeah, I do think it's a disservice when, um, you know, there's this idea too that therapy is just about listening, like listening and holding a non-judgmental space. And I'm like, I guess I want to bring that up because I'm like, if there's anyone out there who's like, has that idea, you know, who's, who's like maybe a client, it's like, that's the fundamentals of what your therapist should do. Like, you can't be a therapist without that. But then there's so much more. They should be actively teaching you techniques. Yes. I think holding space, like you said, is kind of like the foundation of what a therapist is supposed to to be doing. Um, Attempting to give you a safe container that maybe you didn't feel like you had in other places in your life. But then again, like guiding you or collaborating with you on ways to live a life that you, you know, want to, or one that's like worth living in the first place rather than Again, just being disconnected from your body and your emotions all the time. Yeah, so I'm curious, um, what kind of keeps you inspired or drawn to this work in the first place? That's such a good question. That's such a good question. Um, I don't, I can't imagine doing anything else. I feel like for me, what is most important in my life is my physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And if I don't have those things, I don't have much. 
if those feel out of balance, everything feels out of balance. And so I really, I feel very passionate. That's such a corny term, but I do feel very passionate about helping people uh, guide, like helping to guide people through their own um, experience of that and, and, and educating them about it and teaching them about it. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm here to do a lot of a few different things. And one of them is I feel like I'm here to help other people light their internal fires because actually the healing process does have an element of creativity and adventure to it, you know? And so often people come into therapy because they feel so beat down, but I don't know. Like I, I had a couple of new clients today and I'm looking at their like symptom questionnaires and they have these really high ratings for like, diarrhea and gas and bloating and anxiety and cravings and depression. And I get excited. I actually get excited looking at that because I'm just thinking you're going to feel so much better so soon. And then what that does is that liberates up that frees up their energy so that they can start having a shot at bringing their own gifts to the world. And that's really exciting to me because I do feel that we're all here to find out what are our unique gifts and bring them to the world. Yeah, I imagine if, especially focusing on all three of these aspects and allowing people to kind of take a full holistic journey really keeps them inspired too. Because I think sometimes clients who attend more traditional therapy might find themselves hitting like dead ends and like, okay, well, we resolved that one problem that I came in for, (laughs) but I don't really know, like how to really make my life better. Like I fixed quote with that quote unquote yes. fix that, but I'm still kind of like sad or I'm still kind of feeling like I'm just on this like treadmill of, of waking up every day and going to work and not really having any like joy or yes. excitement. Everything's quote unquote fine, but I'm not really living. And I think that's dead end that a lot of yes. people run into when they come into that movement. That's so common. That's so common. And I think there's this idea in our culture that if you're not happy, something's wrong with you. And that, you know, the ways to get to happiness are like, um, you know, take this medication or buy this latte or, you know, try this vacation. Right. And then that, that stuff doesn't necessarily work or it works temporarily. And then people are left going like, okay, now what? I feel empty. And I do think a lot of it does come back to how how empty our modern culture is. I think it can be validating for my clients even to know that and to understand it when I frame it like that. But ultimately, like what I see myself doing down the road in my career, I mean, I'm opening Las Lobas and I'm, I'm so excited about that for so many reasons. One is that we're, we'll be taking Medicaid so we can offer these holistic therapies to people who would have a hard time paying out of pocket. The other is, you know, partnering, as I said, But it's also that like working on a a wider and wider scale to start creating more community-wide and system-wide change for me is where I feel like the ultimate answer lies. Like if you take a lot of these problems that people come to therapy for and you follow them to their inevitable conclusion, as far as like, well, I guess inevitable origin, right? And conclusion, it has to do with our larger culture. It really does. You know, like people think, oh, I can go to therapy once a week and not change anything else and I won't be depressed anymore. And it's like, I wish, I wish it would work that way. It doesn't.
Yeah. And just because this podcast is called Millennial Mental Health, I often like to throw in like questions about like generational um, questions or like generational traumas or like our current culture versus past cultures. So I'm going to throw in a question about that now. (laughs) I'm curious, like, how do you see different generations in their approach to the work that you do? Because I imagine you might have some people who come in and are like, oh, that what you have to say is like, I'm super like jazzed about it. But then maybe not everyone comes in, they might need a little bit more encouragement to be excited about like, the type of work that you do or Mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm just curious, like, have you seen differences over generations of people that come in and work with you? As far as who resonates with my work and me? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen my website, but I make it very clear who I am and how I work. And so that is absolutely going to draw the people that want that and repel the people that don't. Period. <laughs> so people don't okay, end fair up. Enough. People don't end up. It's really clear. You know, it's not some like vague or, you know, when people refer to me, like I know that my clients who refer to me and my colleagues who refer to me and other practitioners, I know they're describing how I am and how I work. So the people who want like a really quiet kind of mellow therapist that says "Mm," a lot and doesn't really talk. And then says, you're doing the best you can and says a wise insight. They will not want to work with me. <laughs> See you trying to hold back your laughter. They probably don't want to work with you either. <laughs> but you know, well, I was I trying not to laugh you. over what you were saying. <laughs> uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm saying like, I can tell you're kind of that, that kind of therapist too, who like is not going to just be like, um, basically the kinds of therapists I saw growing up that personally I didn't find useful. I could just tell by your reaction that you're like, yeah, I don't find that useful either. Um, I was just going to say, I tend to really promote a lot of like practical um, tools to my clients and like try to, again, what you kind of said, like teach them different ways on how to connect with themselves and how to connect with the world that might look different than what they've been doing for whatever amount of time they've been doing it. Um, so the idea of just like sitting there and saying like, oh, you know, that must've been really hard or you're doing the best that you can (laughs) and stuff like that. Like I imagine I say those sometimes, but it's always like coupled with some other like thing to like promote growth or to promote, um, some sort of like active change. Yeah. 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 Oh, of course there's times been like that kind of, that kind of session is absolutely called for. Yeah, but it there has to be more. Yeah. So I I've had, you know, I've had clients in their 70s. I have clients who are teens. Um, it really depends on the person. And it tends to be someone like me who who is drawn to this work, like someone who is has more fire, you know, on the on the scale of zero fire to a lot of fire. They tend to have more fire and they tend to be more drawn to natural approaches and body-centered approaches and um, and and feel like they want to, you know, probably they don't feel as conventional, you know, they're, they're not as conventional of a person, usually. Um, and they want to figure out how to bring their full their full selves to the world. 
And before we started recording, you had mentioned that you've been doing therapy now for almost two decades. Hopefully it's okay that I reveal that, but I'm curious, have you noticed any changes over the past two decades of the type of work that you do or yeah, like what changes have kind of happened over that time span? I've only been a therapist for eight years, so there's been some changes during the time, but I imagine just because you've been in this career for longer that you've experienced more evolutions. Vastly, yes. I mean, I went to Smith and Smith um, at that time was a very psychodynamic oriented school. I love Smith. I am a huge Smith fan. I am the area coordinator for for our alums for the social work school. And I also don't really use um, what I learned there in terms of the, the therapeutic modality simply because I find other ways helpful. And it's funny because I was talking with one of my friends who was um, who went to Smith the same time as me. And he said, he said, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. He said, do you remember when Bessel van der Kolk came to Smith and we all thought he was off his rocker with what he was talking about? And I was like, what? I don't remember that. But, you know, apparently it happened. And we were all just looking down our noses at him because we were that East Coast psychodynamic orientation. And he was talking and he was talking about very fundamental things about being in the body. So about like mindfulness, right? Which we, you talk about evolution, we all know now like mindfulness is really important. It's a really foundation. It's a really important foundation to uh, start learning how to uh, orient your internal experience. So yeah, I think, you know, but, but it also has to do with the region of the country that we're in. I mean, being here on the front range of Colorado, there is a lot, a lot of somatic therapy, a lot of body centered therapy on the East coast. I think it is still very psychodynamic and CBT oriented. So I would say, you know, I see increasing acceptance of, of somatic processes, but that might also just be out West. Yeah, I guess it would be interesting to connect with therapists that are in different regions to see what the culture there of therapy is and what people are, are even looking for. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a therapist that had a practice in Washington, D.C., and she was telling me about like how heady everyone that she works with is and how they attempt to like in- intellectualize everything that she says. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that sounds exhausting, <laughs> like to constantly yeah. be having those sorts of conversations. But I imagine if you're in that region, that might just be like the way that it is or something like that's just the culture therapy in that area? I think it's much more common because I do have clients who live on the East Coast and they've told me that they haven't encountered really anyone that does the type of work that I do um, out there. So yeah, we need to spread the word. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully this podcast will spread the word. I know I have some listeners in um, on the East Coast. My parents live um, on the East Coast, so they share it with people. So I know that there's some people listening nice. over there. So maybe look it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So before we wrap up, I was hoping that maybe you could share like how people can connect with you, find out more. I'm hoping that by listening to this podcast, people are kind of feeling inspired to learn more about different types of mental health rather than just 
the CBT type of way of thinking about therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy for those that don't know what CBT is. Definitely. So if people are inspired by what I'm talking about in here, whether it's mental health, nutrition, more body-centered therapies, um, my website is stephaniesmallhealth.com. So it's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-S-M-A-L-L. H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And then uh, the website for Las Lobas del Corazón, which is opening in August. We will probably be in Boulder. Um, that will be L-A-S-L-O-B-A-S-D-E-L-C-O-R-A-Z-O-N.com. Awesome. We'll also have that like in the show notes, but for those that are maybe listening while, you know, they're walking or something, um, hearing it verbally always helps, but yeah, we'll definitely have that in the show notes and also promoting it, um, on our social media. So you can also go to the social media and find the links, uh, to Stephanie Small's website. So thank you so much for being on today. And I really appreciated having this conversation with you. Thank you. I, I appreciated being here.